Hey guys, Walter Fetchick here to tell you that Unicorn.com may be the world's premier esports betting site, but they're also your best bet for keeping up with all the esports you love. With their site's newest update, they've reinvented their Live Now system and created a TV guide style layout to find out when your favorite teams will be playing next. And if that isn't simple enough, they've even added a search bar to help filter it down even further. And you know, even if you aren't a gambling fan, Unicorn's newest update is a must-have for any esports fan. And you might even discover your favorite new writer in their news section. We've got my man Drowling with some excellent CSGO content, and you can find some fantastic articles from my lovely co-host, Chase Wassner, as well. So check out the new layout at Unicorn.com, because there are a few places where you can stay up to date on all your favorite esports, and Unicorn can help. Unicorn.com. Welcome to the new e-sportsbook. Hello, Internet. My name is Walter C80 Svedchuk, and I am your Guess the Lines World Heavyweight Champion. And welcome to our week six episode of the 2017 Summer Split EU LCS Guess the Lines with No Lines episode. Yes, once again, we are here to talk about uh, to talk about Europe and all of their spectacular failings coming out of Rift Rivals. And speaking of failings, I think it's only fair to bring up uh, her greatest crusader, my my friend and co-host Chase, redshirt king, Wassner. Chase, you look a little pale there, buddy. How how how's it going? Well, you know, it's uh, it's not great. I'm not gonna so. pretend that it's it was a fun Rift Rivals event to watch for me. Obviously, we had our episode, talked a lot of trash. Europe did not back me up on that. They did not. So that's unfortunate. I I think it's safe to say. You know, I. I saw your video on your glory of North America. Congratulations, you get all your shots. And a little self-indulgent, but you know, I, I get where you're coming from. I'm, I think that you, you deserve the opportunity to trash talk. And if you want to take out on me that I happen to like the numbers, like that's, I guess, fine. You know, you do you, man. But I, I just want to say to the European fans, we're going to get through this. I, we're not usually the region that has to take a step back to North America, but it's so much better to have this wake-up call now than in the world's group stage. This is something that I think G2 has suffered from in the past, where they did so well in the region, they hadn't figured out where the flaws in their system were, and by the time they got to an international competition, those flaws were heavily exploited. I think that when you lose in the decisive way that they did, and let's be clear, North America won 71% of their matches. It was a very decisive yeah, victory. Did. But when you lose like that, the only thing you have is the understanding that we need to look inwards and figure out what's wrong with our meta and whether you were one of the three teams on the stage or the seven teams watching from home. We now have the lessons about what works and what doesn't and what people were getting away with that you're not going to be able to get away with in international competition. And I think that that is overall a good thing. We will learn from this. We will grow from this. And Europe will once again 
fight their way up to the standards to which we hold themselves. But for now, North America's the better region, and there's no counter-argument to be made. So you enjoy your American flag. Uh, you've earned it. Well, well hold, hold on a second, because I, I want to say something to the European fans. I know, I know in the, uh, in the video it was a little, uh, it was a little much. I was kind of, you know, aggressive. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I, I think it's well-deserved. North America did work. Uh, but if you listen, the, I talked about how a flag didn't show up. Well, well a flag did show up. And uh, I just want to take a moment and take off the American flag here real quick. And uh, I just I have, to, I have to offer something to, to European fans. I want to suggest you all, uh, you move to a certain country. And uh, we're going to call that country Denmark. Because, you know, I'm, I'm going to offer, I'm going to offer the country of Denmark one opportunity to become the 51st state in these uh, United States of America. I think it's a great offer. Um, after you gave us such wonderful Native, uh, Native American sons like Soren Bjergsen Bjerg and uh, Dennis Svensker and whatever his last name is. Um, but, but giving us these two Native sons... Uh, I think I, we really need to we need to offer you that. So so to my European friends and to my friends uh, in Denmark, go ahead. You know the offer's on paper. It'll be sent to your to your prime minister. Uh, go ahead and sign on the dotted line and, and, and welcome as the 51st state of these United States of America. So thank you so much. We we really appreciate it. And that you know we kind of wanted to reward you guys for what you did. Uh, I uh, I love that you didn't give that credit to Jensen because then Cloud Nine would have one more import slot, so you decided like oh yeah Jensen's you know he's he's still from Denmark if you're gonna give Denmark talent I, I, Chase what does this shirt read I can't read it what does this say uh, you know what man yeah uh, exactly exactly is what it is I I gave, I gave I, Cloud Nine enough credit on. Uh, on the Rift Rivals podcast. But Chase, talking about credit, which European team underperformed the most at Rift Rivals? I mean, Fnatic. And I, I don't okay. think it's close. I, I think we knew that G2 was flawed going into it. They had battled their way after week five to a whole 500 win-loss record. Like, this is a team that has issues, especially in this meta. It's something I wrote an article for on Unicorn, just the, the draft problems that they had and how they were being limited because we had such clear problems in how the team was working and how they rely on Trick to open up so much more of the map and open so many more opportunities for them. I think that's still the case. I think that's still the reason why G2 is struggling in this regard. I will say that Fnatic has no such excuse. That's where you look at and go, well, this was a tournament that was decided by teams winning the early game and being able to snowball those advantages. I think it was something like uh, 17 of the, uh, you know, the vast majority of the matches. I think all but two uh, went in North America's favor in the early game. Uh, I think it was like 19 of the 21 games were you, the North American team up at 20 minutes. Right. And I don't, I don't you, you can't really defend Fnatic for that because Fnatic was according to the numbers, the best early game team in the world compared to the rest of their region. They had a 1,245 gold differential lead on average at 15 minutes heading into this event. 
that's just such a, a massive drop-off. And, and, you know, you can point to individual uh, problems that stand out. People have made a lot of the fact that, like, oh, they only got two dragons the entire tournament. Well, you're not going to get a lot of dragons when you're losing, and they spend most of the tournament losing. So they didn't have a lot of pressure to get a lot of dragons. But you have to ask, like, why weren't their lanes getting ahead? And I think that there are easy things you can point to. I think that Reckless holding onto the cannon pick on patch 7.13 was a bad decision. You know, when you don't have the, the runin stacks anymore, uh, 80 carry cannon just does not work out. It doesn't have the burst damage. It doesn't have that ability. But in general, I think relying on low, uh, low attack range champions is a problem in these kinds of matchups because if the enemy laner knows what they're doing they're going to win the early game and when your best player isn't winning early well now it comes down to can broxa find those advantages and in this situation i felt like broxa was mostly out jungled i thought that svenskaren punished him heavily with invades i think mike young punished him very heavily with invades mike young looked amazing this tournament we'll get to more of him on tomorrow's episode uh, but, you know, Soaz and Caps were not doing enough on their own, and they weren't winning those 2v2s when Broxa was there, and, and they just were behind on vision, they were behind on rotations, they were behind in everything that we expect Fnatic to be able to do. And what that tells me is we have not, in Europe, built up the early game strengths that North America has. It looks very pretty when you look back at North Europe's footage from weeks one through five compared to North America. The first 15 minutes of North America feel kind of sloppy and disjointed and go back and forth and they can sometimes snowball off things. But if you look at Europe, it was, it was very clean, it was crisp, the towers were being taken down and the right teams were winning the right team fights at the right moments. But the problem that we didn't recognize because of that cleanness is that they were getting away with a lot. There were a lot of shortcuts being taken because teams were not pressuring other teams in the early game because teams mostly had time to scale. Look, the second best early game team in Europe is the ninjas in pajamas, right? Like, it's not like good teams were going out and taking these champions that could snowball the early game. You know, the H2K hasn't been as good as they've been in recent years. Most of Europe has not done a great job of that. So. Yeah, they were getting to the mid-game without any messy fights, but that's because there weren't all that many fights. Because they weren't fighting, because they were just having this super safe laning phase. And hey, it turns out that being a super safe and super clean in theory doesn't matter when in practice the other side is, is taking you to the mud and you have no idea how to fight there. You which, don't have any backup plan. Which is why it makes sense that Unicorns of Love was Europe's representative in the finals because they, yeah. out of all, out of the three teams they sent, are a team that is very skirmish heavy. Now, granted, it, it's later into the game. It's not this pre, you know, ten minutes like uh, like North America was really doing. It's not a lot of like constant invades into the mid lane, which that was what stuck out to me after days one and two was. Europe just seemed completely caught off guard that a jungler and a support would ever go into the mid lane. Like, why are you here? What are you doing? Their warding patterns were not uh, conducive for that. It took them a while to adjust to which angles that the North American junglers and supports were coming from and, and pushing their vision a little bit further out. And it was the first two days. It was just, you know, support roaming up into the mid lane and getting a pick here and uh, jungle roaming into the mid lane. And North America seemed very mid lane 
focused in their assault against all of these teams. And uh, I know I, I asked uh, Riot Spelzy if they had a, a jungle proximity um, statistic for uh, for mid lane, and uh, it came out to that for the regular season, NA is at 22.2% uh, jungle proximity with the mid laner. Uh, Europe's at 20.4. So it, it doesn't look like there's a huge difference there, but it is enough of a difference that it does show that North America tends to focus a little bit more on their mid laners and uh, not just getting them ahead, but just pressuring that mid lane. Because we always talk about if that mid tower goes down, that opens up a hell of a lot of the map. That opens up more entranceways into the enemy jungle, and I think that North America really tried to prioritize that, especially once they got the first tower, where Europe, you could tell they wanted the side lane towers down first so they could set up split pushing and set up pressure that way and then go into the mid lane, where North America was like, we're going to take the bot tower, we're going to take the mid tower, and then we're going to worry about the top tower. We're going to take the top tower, then take the mid tower, then take the bot tower. That was kind of their focus in, in which way they wanted to rotate their lanes around. So that was what stuck out, stood out to me, and, and Europe just didn't seem prepared for it. Well, you nailed it with the support comment, because the support is the thing. Like, like the jungle-wise, I don't think there was a massive difference necessarily. Uh, maybe less aggressive early on, but like proximity-wise, I didn't think it was that different. I think the big difference is that Europe's supports have mostly been staying in lane this way. Mm. You know, when you think of Jez's, you do not think of him as a roaming support. No. He's someone that has to give Reckless a lot of credit, uh, help in the early game, because Reckless yep. as a laner, when you have low attack range, you need help to handle yes. those kinds of things. Uh, Hillisang has been helping Samix a little bit more because he's been hyperscaling and those kind of compositions need it. Mithy just does not roam on his own anymore. There's a reason he was one of two people that never got killed solo uh, of, of the supports of this tournament. He was always with his laner, and that's fine in theory, but in practice, what ends up happening is they don't have that advantage when those fights happen. There was 3v2 or 3 on 1 if their vision wasn't good enough, and they just were completely caught off guard by it. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I think that's ultimately the lesson that Europe needs to learn here, which is that you can't... There's a risk in playing safe. I guess that's one of those things. It's an opportunity cost is a better way to think about it. When you're playing safe in lane and you're not roaming your support, you're not taking those chances, well, someone else can. And at this tournament, someone else did and it ended very poorly for us. So I think that in general, I want to see Europe come out this week, especially the top teams, and try to be more proactive, try to set the pace, try to really push that early aggression. Let's see some more interesting and more risky early game play because we need to see these teams do more than just be talented. We need to see them step up and really make a leap that shows that they learned from this event, whether you're playing or watching at it, we need to have learned from it, and we need to continue to learn and improve from it. it by, you know, from now until the end of the split, if Europe is going to become the region that, by all accounts, they should be. So I, I hope they get there. I'm certainly going to be excited to see how this week goes, because I think this is a, a week that's going to show whether or not teams have, have really learned those lessons or whether they're kind of stuck in, well, but we don't need to right quite yet because we're still really good where we are. Uh, in our own region. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Do you, I, I know we talked about Fnatic and Unicorns. I love it at pretty pretty good lengths. Do you have anything 
you want to say about G2? Did anything stick out about them for you, or was this just kind of, you know, G2 standard summer split play? I mean, G2 as of right now don't look very good at League of Legends. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's unfortunate. I, I think that this is what happens when you have a team that runs so extremely through Trick. Uh, that's clearly something that, you know, is, is costing them and is going to continue to cost them is that they just don't have an answer as to when Trick can't get ahead. Uh, that he just does not seem very comfortable in this meta. It, it's going to be a, a problem for them moving forward until they come up with some answer as to how they can best use him. And Nunu is not the answer, guys, by the way. I know that's something that they're going to look into. I'm, I, w- I would bet dollars to dough that we see Nunu again before they end up split from him, but it's, it's not ideal, I think, where they are right now. But you know what is ideal, Walter? The EU lines are up, so we do get to talk about gambling lines today. Hope you're excited, as I am, to go on the fly like we usually do. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you just caught me off guard. Very rarely does Chase get to catch me off guard, but perfect. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad I get to carry over uh, an excellent week here into our actual competition. But was it an excellent week? Because when you look at the week five uh, smart money bets, not sure excellent is the term. What was last use. week? Last week wasn't week five. Last week was, was Rift Rivals. Uh, but no, Chase, Chase is correct. Uh, week five did not pan out very well for us with our smart money bets. Uh, we went 0-3 because Splice wasn't as good as Chase thought they were, and Vitality was better than either of us thought they were. So we lost all three of our bets, uh, which is okay. We are, we're back into the negative now with Europe, but it's only 22. It's only minus 22 unicorns, dollars, ruples, whatever. And we could easily, easily make that back up. Uh, so let's, let's get into it. Let's start with our very first match of the week. The Ninjas in Pajamas versus Vitality. Chase, looking back all the way at week five, now two weeks ago, was that win more about Vitality being good, or was it that we over... We thought Rocket was better than they actually were. I think Vitality's better than we thought they were. I, I gotta give them credit. I think one of the things that I had noticed as a trend, especially you know the couple weeks prior to this, uh, was Nuke Duck. Nuke Duck has started to play much better in lane. He was getting solo kills on people like Caps, even in losing efforts. Uh, Fabivan was someone I think he particularly exploited uh, in their series against H2K. So he is evolving now into the kind of talent that we've been told that he is for a long time. Obviously, in Season 3, he was great on Lemon Dogs, but then his reputation kind of superseded what we were actually seeing on the rift you know the things we heard about oh yeah well in scrims he's a monster on solo queue he's a god like but it wasn't translating well now it's translating uh and i think that in general he's always been very good at mid lane 80 carry style champions that's something he's always excelled at i think he's very good at that kind of poke mechanic he's very good at you know using that cs and, and really pushing out his lane accordingly and what we saw last you know the last time these uh the vitality played was Kogma and Quirky, both of which were absolutely dominant. And I think that that's a very good sign for Vitality moving forward is that we're starting to see 
an identity for them. It's it's we're playing around Nuke Duck as our main carry. We're going to you know send Joko to that lane, and that's where we're going to try to get our first advantage and snowball that. And once that's done, we're going to focus on Cabochard. We're going to tell Cabochard, hey, you're our star top laner, and we need you to be able to come in on our teleports, on our global plays when we need you. So let's get you in a comfortable place. And we'll just tell Steelbuck and Vander, like, you're not the main carries on this team right now because they are right now, I think, playing like the weakest part of this team uh, outside of maybe Joko, which you can make a good case for. I, I think that Steelback and Vander are not playing to the level we would expect from them. They're not terrible, but they're not great right now. So I think that focus on getting the solo laners ahead, playing through them, having that be what dictates the team fights and, and, and the way that they want to play the game, I think is a great sign from them. I, I still think their macro play could use a little bit more coordination. They gave up more towers than they needed to in this series. Uh, they just gave up a little bit more uh, advantages than was necessary. But the good news for them is they're playing the ninjas in pajamas. And the ninjas in pajamas are not particularly great at League of Legends right now. I know they took the map off of Unicorns of Love in game one. Uh, Nagne, when he does well, can look very good. Um, it's the, the problem is that Nagne has not looked like that guy <laughs> all that consistently. I like his Corky. Yeah. His Corky's fun. I'm not sure how I feel about the rest of what he's doing. I thought that his uh, Syndra and his uh, his uh, blah 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 um, he, he did not look very good against the Steers Monkeys. I think that's very safe to say. And when Koski is outplaying you in lane, that's a really bad sign. Yes. So I, I think that they have problems on that end. They have the Prophet only knows how to split push problem, which is either a does Prophet speak English well enough problem, or does Prophet trust his teammates in any way, shape, or form problem, depending on who you ask. Uh, neither one of those, I think, is a great sign. I, I don't feel good about either one of those you answers. You should probably trust Nagne. I would suggest trusting Nagne. Yeah, but I trust Nuketuk more. So I think that yes. ultimately this is going to be a series that Vitality should be able to take pretty cleanly. I, I like them a lot here. In fact, I like them at minus 240. I, I think that they should be significant favorites. Well, Chase... Uh, you're right about one thing. I do want to say that it's kind of incredible that when Vitality does embrace the, like, hey, we have really strong laners, we should exploit that and let their strong laners dominate their opponents in one-on-one -on -one situations and set them up for that. It's kind of incredible how, like, that works. And Nuke Duck and Cabochard have done a very good job when they can just be in one-on-one -on -one scenarios and when they can just duel their opponent and not have to worry about jungle pressure or anything like that. Uh, you said Vitality minus 240. I said Vitality minus 250. The actual line is Vitality minus 312. So uh. we were both a little short of the money, you more so than I, so I'm gonna be the one that gets the point here. This, sh this should be like interesting. This Where, be where's like, NIP's upset line? Uh, NIP is at plus 230. Okay. This, this should be a good, like, sports entertainment game. Uh, if you care about three maps, three maps is at plus 120. Plus 120. Uh, the Vitality 2-0, plus 110. See, the only thing that's keeping me from 
completely writing off this series as one we should bet on because there's always there's a good argument that when the only lion that has value is betting on the 114 team that you shouldn't bet on it but ninjas in pajamas have a 59.5 early game rating right now vitality are the second lowest in the league at 35.6 like they are not a good early game team they're they're solo laners scale up well but they have been inconsistent in terms of as a team turning any meaningful kill into a, in an objective into into some sort of an early lead so there's a chance here like if, Ninja, if we're going to believe that none of the teams in Europe are as bad as the teams we had in Europe last split which i think is the case I don't think that either one of these teams are as bad as Origin was. And I don't necessarily think that they're as bad as as Giants were. If we believe that, Ninjas and Pajamas have to win sometime. I could see it happening. I want to see if we have more value. I I, I think that it's not a bet that I would want to make lightly, especially after how last week went for us. But it's it's in play. I, I think that Ninjas and Pajamas could just be a nice matchup here. I don't agree with that, but let's see where uh, where the rest of the value shows up. Our second series of the week, Rocket versus H2K. Yeah. Both teams are kind of, like, disappointing. I mean, H2K 2-0. I know they 2 0 misfits, but it didn't feel like... I don't know. It was ugly. I, I'm, I'm, I, it was, it was it wasn't, really ugly. Yeah. I don't know. Talk, talk, talk to me about H2K. Talk to me about H2K. What did you see after, uh, you know, them coming out of that series with Misfits? That felt like, you know, a grinded out 9-12 to 12 game in, in, in American football. Like, that didn't feel like a overwhelming 2-0 victory for the stronger team. That felt like gritty, grimy, let's just get out of here with the win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's probably the best way to describe it right now. I... I think Oduamne deserves more credit than the rest of his teammates for how well he performed. I thought his Galio was very good. I thought his Camille was excellent. I thought that was a very nice flex pick from them, funnily enough. I don't think a lot of people expect Camille to be a thing anymore uh, in the top lane. We do not see her picked up there very often. It was one of the things I was actually looking forward to at Rift Travels was, hey, look, Europe's playing Camille in the top lane, and they're really good at split-pushing. This is the thing they might do, and it might be really good. And it wasn't, and it didn't, and it made me sad. But <laughs> ultimately, he was the guy that, that certainly they felt comfortable enough playing around. He could be the initiator. He could really get a lot of, uh, of damage around the map. And, and the fact that he was as confident as he was allowed them to get the towers that they needed to, to end up winning the game ultimately. But let's be clear. Uh, Misfits were winning game one for most of that game. Yes. Uh, and, and what we saw there is, is a, a Misfits problem that they've had in the past where they don't necessarily know how to close mm -hmm. the way that they should. So really, this series is about H2K stealing a win while still behind in gold, might I add, in game one. And then in game two, just eking by largely because they managed to get three Infernal Drakes. Like, if those are three less important Drakes... I don't think the fights that were as close as they were at the time necessarily go in their favor. I don't think Yankos played a particularly great series. I don't think his Gragas looked that great at all. I think Forbiven has taken a step back from where we saw him last split. He went from someone who I thought was an all-pro mid laner last split to someone that right now would not be on my 
consideration list. And Nuclear and Che, congratulations, you can play Ash and Braum, but not even all that well. It's not like we had a, a game like what we had with Double Lift and Rift Rivals, where every Ash arrow was hitting and, and causing these amazing engages. Like, he's, Nuclear's fine. Like, he's playing all right. But that's the problem with H2K right now is that this is a team that's built on every single one of our individual players is better than you. That's how they win. They overpower people and they snowball those advantages because they are so much better than their opponents. And against Misfits, I don't know that they were the better team at all. I, I, they get the win, and, and that probably means that at least for now they're the better team. But at the end of the split, I'm not... Like, if you played that series ten times, I think it might have been a 5-5 five five series. I think if Misfits holds on to game one, uh, mentally they're a little bit sharper for game two. Uh, now Misfits get blamed for losing game one, but are we going to give H2K as much credit for that? Like, the, that's kind of the argument I go back and forth on in my head, and I, I shouldn't have to be going back and forth about a team in H2K that was so dominant in the regular season last split and has so many talented pieces on paper. That's just not where I want to be with them. Right. Rocket. <laughs> are we back to are we back to the dying dog analogy, Chase? Is it back? No. Is, is it is it time to take no. Old Yeller back out behind the shed again? I, I wouldn't do that to this team. They're they're working hard, man. They're trying. They're. I I wish I had I need like a novelty like white flag here to to wave. Like this is. I mean, look, this is a team with growing pains. I think that one of the things that led me astray was how well they'd done. Thank you. I appreciate that. One of those things that, that we got excited by what they'd done so far in the season. They hadn't been blanked in any series heading up to this. They'd gotten at least one map against everybody. They, yep. they had ways to find close victories. They had big victories where they you know, had these great team fights that turned things around like they did in that game two against Fnatic that somehow mm -hmm. turned that series around. Like, it's not that Rocket is inept as a team. It's not that Rocket doesn't have any competence or any ability to really sn snowball some advantages and, and really show up when they're needed. It's just that they don't do it enough. And they, in this particular series, I mean, Betsy was just manhandled. It was just really bad. And, and Pride Stalker got outjungled by Joko, which is just really bad. And you can't have both of those things and expect Rocket to still be relevant when the mid to late game rolls around, which they need to be if they're going to win those team fights that they're actually good at. It's, it's really bad when your support has the deepest champion pool on your team. Like, I mean... That he's good at. Like, Wadid's good. Yeah, Wadid's good. Wadid's good, and he's he tried, good at a, at a variety of champions. Like, that's my problem that I'm having with Betsy, is like, what what is he good at? He's good at Swain and Vladimir. And, like, that's it. Well, I, like, here's the thing, though. Like, look at <laughs> that game one lineup from Rockat. Where was their hard CC on that composition? Like, you have Warwickle technically... Cadden? Uh, Lulu? <laughs> yeah, that's not ideal. It's not ideal, I think, is, is the way I'm going to put it. Um, I, I think that that composition was inherently flawed in terms of finding engages and, and turning teamfights around in the, in the mid-late game. I, that, that was a huge concern to me. Uh, just drafting-wise, I think they're making some sloppy mistakes. But, yeah, I mean, look... 
this is the team that we thought they might be heading into the season, right? This is a team that has clear issues and has young players that need to work their way back up. They need to get Pride Stalker competitively ready. It might be time to move on from Betsy. Okay, I don't. I, I like Betsy. I thank you for your service. Yes. Thank yeah. you for everything you did. But I think it's time to move on to someone with a with a higher ceiling, because we know what Betsy is when he's good. He's he's good, but not great. But Betsy, when he's bad, is not doing anything for you, because there's no evidence that says that Betsy's going to come back and be some monster when he gets out of the current slump. You just he's a low ceiling and now low floor guy. And that's exactly the kind of talent you don't want on a roster, especially one like this. I don't know what players would be available if there's someone on the challenger solo queue that they, they can go grab and get some reps here because Rocket, let's face it, they're not going to the playoffs. They're probably good enough, even if they were to tank, if you will, and go grab that unexperienced challenger mid laner. Uh, they still probably avoid relegations is because ninjas and pajamas are even worse. So start thinking about the future, Rocket. I know we have this conversation before, and then I end up seeing the roster the next season, and it's not ideal. But I'm going to believe in the system. I'm going to trust the process. And the process here says that Betsy's not doing enough to justify his spot on the team compared to the upside of the other types of people that you can bring in. Right. So... As, as a fan, that's where I want to see this team go. I, I think that's probably the thing I'm most looking forward to seeing because this series is not going to be fun. No. This where, is, this is going to suck. Where, where do you have a line for this series? I have H2K minus 333. I also had H2K at minus 333. It is H2K minus 435. Okay. Rock out is at plus 290. I... I don't really have an argument against that. I, I don't either. That's um, that's a line. Yeah. Well, <laughs> congratulations to H2K for their bounce back week. Uh, I hope you're happy. I hope you're excited about it. This is going to be a nice bounce back week for you. I know you technically won, but this is when your super strong, better at every position play is really going to shine. This better, better be like a 10,000 gold lead at 25 minutes out of H2K or I seriously have some concerns about them going forward and I it's think it play. might be time to yeah it up moving on splice versus G2 chase yeah this was another European team that you were overly confident about in the past two weeks yeah where did you go wrong with splice I'm still, I still like Splice. I know people are going to look at me like I'm crazy for saying that because they lost, but you know what? They lost yeah. to the best team in Europe. Like, let, let's, like, right now, Fnatic are the best team in Europe, just by what we saw at Rift Rivals. And Splice lost to the best team in Europe. I can live with that. I don't think that that's a terrible loss. I think it sucks that they didn't grab a single map, but game two was a lot closer than I think people gave it credit for. Yeah, Fnatic got the two Barons, but they needed that Elder to close afterwards. Like, it wasn't like it was this definitive, you know, Splice was completely out of it from start to finish. I think the thing I was disappointed by was Wonder. I thought Wonder had been having a very strong season uh, heading into this week. Uh, I think that what we saw is that because, you know, Broxa put a little bit more focus there in this series, uh, he was re they were really able to snowball that lane, and Wonder did not necessarily catch up very well. 
Some of that, I think, is putting him on the Rumble. I'm not sure that was the ideal place to put him. NAR! Literally, just put him on NAR! <laughs> like, that's his champion! Put him on NAR! I don't understand this. I don't. I it really makes don't. no sense. I don't. Splice literally banned NAR in the second game. I, I don't understand. I, what is it about Wonder that has changed the way that he plays such that NAR would not be something you'd want to prioritize? I, I felt like they overthought themselves. Ultimately, I think that they they had this idea of like, oh, we're going to go for these AOE comps. We're going to go for the scaling mid laners. We're going to go for, you know, those kind of big team fight moments and just not at all pay attention to, you know, what really helps that team fights, guys? NAR or other big, you know, lane bullies. Even like a Kled would have been a better spot here because at least Kled would have had a significant engage tool that could have gotten the rest of their team set up as it was. Like, Rumble can lock down some damage, but Fnatic's compositions were pretty mobile, uh, pretty easily able to escape those kinds of situations. So I, ultimately, I felt like this, uh, this is one of those things where, where Splice failed on the drafting ends of things as well as the playing ends of things. Givas is a guy that I'm still going to be watching as a coach. I'm not sure how I feel about him yet. But yeah, look, Wonder didn't show up the way I expected him to. But I think he can. I think he certainly can, and I think that if you take him off of this rumble pick where he wasn't looking all that great and put him back on the lane bullies that he's been so solid on this season because his numbers are quite good. When you look at him compared to other top laners, even after such a terrible loss, I mean, he's still on the top half in basically every meaningful statistic. Uh, that's something that really stands to how consistent he's been in all of their other series. I think that certainly um you know he's not a a perfect player but i i think he's at this point to me he's very much in an all pro conversation and i think that's where splice need him to be they need him to be an all pro caliber uh top laner they need Senkux to be uh in the running for an all pro spot really focusing on <coughs> on mid laners that can kind of rotate well and really use that split push pressure that's when they succeed and they need Kabi and Nikki to be a lane that, that can hold up and really do a lot more to punish uh, short-range AD carries like what the Tristana that Reckless brought in. I think that that also was something where, you know, if you're not dominating your lane as, as a Kaelin versus Tristana in the early game, you done goofed and Splice done goofed. But you know what? Like, like all of these things I just mentioned, very fixable, very easily. You can change around your pick and bans just a little bit. To strengthen these things, you could change around what lanes you want Trashy to prioritize early just a bit, and you can look at where the meta is and, and go a little bit, you know, look less heavy on split push now, more heavy on the kind of team fighting that is created by lane pressure, you know, using like a 1 4 rather than a strict 1 v uh, 1 3 1. And against G2 right now. I like them in this series. I, I think that they're a a more consistent team than what G2 has been. I think that, yeah, you can say that Trashy hasn't been a great jungler, but neither has Trick this split. This is true. And is true. when that doesn't happen, well, now you're getting to the point where it's going to be, okay, well, in the mid to late game, which team do you trust more right now? And right now I trust Splice's cohesion more. You know, I, I think... Losing to the best team in the league doesn't take away all of the things I were liking about them before. So, I, I like Splice in this uh, in this series. Unfortunately, I think that 
uh, G2 are going to be the favorites because G2 won Europe uh, three times in a row, and so I think the algorithm is going to be nice to it. So I said G2 minus one third. Okay. Uh, I said G2 minus 150. Chase, would you like to guess who's right and who's wrong? I mean... It doesn't matter what you think because you are wrong, sir. G2 minus 277. Wow. Splice is at plus 200. Wow. Three maps is at plus 115. So Splice plus 200 is an instant smart money bet. That's that's just happening. If you say so. <laughs> yeah, I do say so. They have a better record. They have a better win percentage. They're a better team. We just saw G2 go 1-5 at this tournament. They looked bad. Splice looked good, except for one series against Fnatic. They were 4-1 heading into a series against the best team in the league. G2's 3-3 and and haven't played Unicorns of Love or H2K yet. Stop it. Just stop it. This is Splice. But let's not overreact to one loss from Splice. Let's react to a, a two and five record over the last two weeks for G2. Let's let's maybe let's take that into account, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening to this. Who are I'm now putting on the defensive, despite the fact you might be agreeing with me at home. But the, yeah, no, I'm I don't not think scared. Splice is as good as you think they are. But I've seen They're the rest of the odds, so they're four and two. Come on. What, what, what could they have done? Outside, like they beat Unicorns of Love just a couple weeks ago. Like that happened. That was that's a real team that we value. And Splice beat them in a two zero. It was a very good that's series true. from them. Okay, okay, okay. I hate. I I sorry. It's it. I mean, it's you, but it's also just the the casinos are underestimating Splice as well. I I think that this hey, is hey, you know, we, we, getting silly. We take value where we can, and like I said, I've seen the rest of the bets, so I know that this is probably a pretty good value. Uh, moving on, those unicorns of love versus misfits. Yeah. Chase, I don't know what to think of this series because my heart is just like, ah, oh, yeah, unicorns of love are gonna crush it, and my head goes, yeah, unicorns of love are probably gonna crush it. So, so make the case for misfits. Why, why, why should I be worried about these plucky little bunnies? Okay. Well, here, here's the couple big concerns for unicorns of love the Miskits can exploit after what we saw from Rift Rivals this week. Number one, I think Power of Evil is a better mid laner than Exile. Okay. I, Exile's laning has gotten from bad to atrocious in a lot of spots. That's something that I think the Power of Evil can heavily exploit. Yep, I, I, will, I will totally agree with you on that. Yep. Number two, uh, we're talking about the value of roaming supports and how that stood out at Rift Rivals. Ignar historically is that guy. He's, he's probably one of the most roam heavy supports if we go back to what we saw in the spring split so if i'm misfits and i watched rift rivals what i told what i said i turned to ignar and i said hey remember all those times you roamed in the spring can you do that again and ignar said yes and that's going to be a factor here i think that's definitely a, a value play um i think that han sama has looked better in recent weeks i don't think he looks as good as samix i think samix is still uh, the better AD carry right now, but Han Sama tends to play things that win in lane more. I think that Sam, if we see go for hyperscalers like Twitch, Han Sama's happy to play things like Varus and Zaya. Um, so I, I think that in, in those situations, this could be a game in which Misfits wins the early game by a significant margin, and then it's up to the Unicorns of Love 
gets the big team fight that turns things around and gets them the victory. And ultimately, I expect Unicorns of Love to get the big team fight that turns things around and gets them the victory. But I'm not... I, I do think that this is going to be something where the Unicorns of Love are going to have to be winning from behind. Right now, they have a 45.2 early game rating in Europe. It was significantly worse at Rift Rivals. Their early game has not been good. Misfit's early game has been very good. I think that that's something that specifically where Misfit's early game has been good and where Unicorns of Love's laning phase has been bad is going to be accentuated even more so. My problem is that I, just, I don't trust Misfit's to close. This is the second week now where we're looking at Misfit's and we're saying, yeah, they won, but... Or, or, or they didn't win, but they should have because they couldn't find the answer there. And I'm, I'm just... At some point, I have to just throw my hands up in the air and say... Maybe it's not a communication problem. Maybe what we blamed in the off-season and why we got rid of Kakao, he said, oh, he can't communicate, he can't figure out when to move on the map and get his teammates in the right place at the right time. Maybe he did as well as this as anyone else could have because misfits just don't know what to do. So even when you're shot calling in a language that everyone understands, it's not working. That's, I think, the problem that we're seeing with misfits that's pervaded. And I don't know if that's a Daku problem I don't know if that's a problem with the main shot callers on that team, but until they prove to me that they know how to close out games, I'm not going to take them against a team that, while some of their strengths <laughs> and weaknesses really look bad for them, we know that the Unicorns of Love are one of the best team fighting teams in Europe. We know they do a really great job at scaling compositions. We know that Chachi does a great job at engages Unicorns of Love are going to win this series. It's just frustrating because Misfits should be in the running for this. Misfits should have a good shot at this if we were to only look on paper. But paper is a flimsy thing that turns clear when you have grease on it. And the Unicorns of Love, uh, Misfits, I should say, have nothing but grease. Context yeah. matters. And, and Chase, before you give us your line, I have to provide some context here. I almost got it exactly. Oh, boy. And if you don't get this, you can't catch up. So all the pressure on you for this week, where do you think the line is? I had Unicorns of Love minus 155. Nope, not even close. It's Unicorns of Love minus 208. I said <laughs> That's not that far I off. said Unicorns of Love minus 200. I am closer. Ergo, I take the point. With it, I'm going to take the week with two games that probably don't matter all that much anyways left. Um, Misfits are at plus 155. What's three maps there? And I'm pulling that up right now. Three maps plus 105. Yeah, I like that three maps bet. I do too. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Unicorns of Love is a better team. I overreacted to what I thought Rift Rivals was going to tell us. I thought that they were going to punish... Unicorns of Love for going three and six overall at that event, because um, those you know when you lose sixty six percent of your games in a, in a week period of time, that that usually brings the numbers down. I'm glad that Unicorn kept it where it should be. That was me playing myself. I think Unicorns of Love are the better team, but I think Misfits wins a map because they do have the significantly superior early game at this point in time, and I have the tools that I think that teams like TSM exploited in the Unicorns of Love. And I think that they're going to be able to pull it off once. I just don't trust them to do it twice because right now they haven't shown that macro understanding to do it. 
But Absolutely. congratulations, that evens us up for the season, right, in, in terms of... That will take us to 6-6 six and six on the season. But before we get there, uh, we still have two more games this week. I just want to burn through them real quick because I, I don't think there's very much interest on my end. Maybe on your end. Uh, Rocket versus the Mysterious Monkeys. Fast monkey. Mysterious monkeys. I'm in. I'm in. Congratulations, guys. You got a victory. Kickus played Mordekaiser, and it won, despite the fact that that champion has 180 bugs, according to that <laughs> wonderful Reddit poster. Shout out to him. He has been pushing that champion and then trying to get Riot to care about this champion. And maybe the combination of that post and Kickus bringing it out in week five will turn some more attention Mordekaiser's way, because he deserves it. Um, but ultimately, like, this is a better team now because now we have a strategy that they can build around and improve upon. And the big thing that I noticed about this, you know, we talked about Koskyu beating up on Nagne, but the fact of the matter is that Koskyu looked, well, his Dalia was pretty terrible. But outside of that, like, his LeBlanc in game two, uh, game one versus G2 was also not that bad. I think that what we're seeing now is a lot of the pressure that was really hurting Koskyu early on because teams could focus on his lane is now being alleviated because Kikis is someone that teams worry about keeping down. They, you know, they feel like you can't let him snowball because Kikis is someone who does so well when he has a gold lead and plays champions that can usually accelerate the game quite well if he has a gold lead. And because they're more spread out, Koskyu has a little bit more time. Yuki has a little bit more time to scale up, which I think is huge for them as well. Uh, Amazing is there. He's fine. He's not bad. I was afraid he was going to be bad when he came back. He's fine. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's nearly as good as he thinks he is. But I think he's a good. He's he's a fine player. He's he's holding up the fort quite nicely in that regard. So, you know, Mysterious Monkeys are a more interesting team than they were three weeks ago. Yes. I, I think that this is a team that will continue to improve. And as a rock captain, I'm a little scared of this series. Gotta be honest with you. I don't know. Why am I supposed to believe that Rockat are going to just take this series? I thought they were just going to take the Vitality series, and look what happened. And, and why did it happen? Oh, right, because it came down to a really good solo laner, specifically in the top lane, that just crushed. And, you know, I don't know how Koskyu's Corky goes. He hasn't actually played, I don't think, any of the, the kind of AD carry style mid laners. But are we sure he can't do it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know anymore, man. I, God, I, I think that's probably the most damning statement I could make on Rockat is I'm like, I'm not sure we're going to be the Mysterious <laughs> Monkeys. I just don't know anymore. Uh, this is going to be uh... You guys might be the second worst team in the LCS, actually. And you're going to avoid relegation because the worst team is in your, is in your group. Well, that's, that's what we're going to find out this week. Rockat, this is your pride on the line. If you want to say that you are not the second worst team in the league and the group a is not a a pile of sadness compared to what group b is doing right now you got to take this one this is a must win i'm gonna say it's a must win if it's if you don't win this i better be hearing that two new players have signed on the roster the ne next week when we're talking about this team on the podcast Get, go sign llama bear he's available turns out come on just 
I, I don't think Pride Stalker's the problem. He's not the solution. He's not. He might not be the solution, but he's not the problem they have currently. The problem is that last... the mid laner and top laner can play two champions apiece. One eight and seven last week. He does nothing to get those guys in a better spot. But yeah, no, Betsy's the ultimate problem. Yeah, but you've seen enough of Betsy to know this isn't the guy. That's that's the player that needs to be replaced. I I would still give uh. uh the top laner, I'd still give him a, a you know a little bit of a chance to try and figure things out. Um, Betsy needs Faxi. to be replaced. I, Be I, Betsy has proven he's he's not the guy. That that just needs to happen. That hurts, um, but yeah, that's Pride Stalker needs to prove to me that he can at least do it against Amazing. You got to be a better jungler than Amazing at this point in Amazing's career. I don't think that's setting the bar. Lava Bear wasn't a better jungler than Amazing. Ooh, bang! Boom shaka. Where do you think the line is on this one? I said Rockat minus 175. I said Rockat minus 180. It's Rockat minus 227. Okay. Mysterious Monkeys are at plus 170. This is just not my day. It's what I'm learning here. It's really but not. It's almost like it's, really it's reflecting this atrocity from Rift Rivals that I just had to watch. We're now... My my European understanding, everything I believed heading into Rift Rivals has fallen apart. You finally woken up from Inception. I I don't I don't know, man. Let's let's just go to this last game. This is getting this is getting depressing. <laughs> let's just move on. Mysterious monkeys plus one seventy. That's fair. I like that. That's that's some good value there. That's but yes, yeah. the last game, Fnatic versus Vitality Chase. Do you want to torture yourself any further? Do you want to make any bold predictions about this series? Any thoughts, concerns, comments, questions? Hey, Fnatic, what have you learned from Rift Rivals? I want you to show me this is not enough to just overpower Vitality. We know you can overpower Vitality. We know you can overpower most teams in Europe. We've seen that. Is Reckless going to start playing champions with some attack range so that he's not constantly putting himself in a tough position that better teams will exploit in the bot lane. Are we going to see Broxa return to some of the, you know, intelligent jungling paths to get him in the first place? Are you going to fix your vision issues? Are you going to fix the dragon issues? Execute the basics. That's all I want to see from you guys. Get the basics down and prove that you understand them, prove that you understand how best to use them, and then we can talk about where you guys rank you know, as far as some of the best teams in Europe. I, I said going into Rift Rivals that I thought this Fnatic team was playing as well as we had seen a European team play heading, you know, compared it's since the 2015 <laughs> summer Fnatic. I thought it was the best Fnatic roster since then. I don't think that anymore. I think we, we've learned that this team has clear flaws. So are you going to fix them? Or are you going to rely on the fact that you don't need to because you're fanatic and you should be good enough to win this series? I think we're going to learn a lot about the attitude of, of where this team stands and ultimately the mindset that they're going to have heading into the playoffs from this week. I, I want to see a strong performance where they get all of the basics well executed, clean, crisp, Make it happen. Chase, I want to remind you of the first half of last split where they couldn't play the short range, you know, 80 carries, the playmaking carries that uh, that Reckless has, you know, been playing in the summer. You know, the Kennen, the Twitch. He didn't get to pick them. Tristana. 
Because Nico the Pico is the worst coach in well, the league. Well, then he picked them in the second half of the split. The problem is, if they aren't good, if they're bad champions to play in the meta, can he continue to pick them? And if he can't, is he good at anything else? Gotta retire the cannon pick. I don't think Twitch is a bad pick right now. I think, I think Twitch is a good pick right now, and I think Tristana is a good pick right now. But Tristana's okay. But I need to see more from him. I want him to go back to, to actual lane bullies. If you're the best AD carry in the league, and I think that you are, you've got to so like be able Caitlin. to win lane on, on stuff like Caitlyn. Yeah, you and need Varus. to. You need to Champions play Champions that he's never been Varus. great at. You need to play Ash. I, I don't care. Champions First of he's all, never been great at. He played well on those champions last split. Let's be clear. Even with the first half of the split going as poorly as it did, this is a team that where Reckless was so far and above the best statistical player uh, in the AD carry position. He was fine on those champions. That's not the problem. The problem was that he wasn't able to turn that into uh, victories because the rest of the team was uncoordinated. They didn't have clear ways to play around him. I think mechanically he should be able to do it. I'm, I'm less worried about that than you. But I want to see you guys do it and do it with that execution that I'm going to keep emphasizing. You need, it's not enough to just be good at it. I know Reckless that you're good at it. You have to be able to be good at it and have your teammates be good at following up on it. And then you all be good at following that up with objectives and have all of those plays be set up because you're good at creating vision for yourself. Like mm -hmm. that's what I need to see more than individual champions. I want to see the bit by bit, step by step. This is what we do to be a good League of Legends. Not gonna happen. Fanatic's been living on this reckless carry crutch. They've been living and dying by this this play style crutch. Taps is a really good League of Legends player. I'm not. Taps was a really good League of Legends player last spring. He was great last split too. I think the play style and the crutch. I think I mean, the play style's been a crutch. Six and one. They still did very well in Europe. I understand that Europe did not look good in Rift Rivals, but I don't want to pretend like. Fnatic did nothing of value in the entire first half of the split, and we can just write all of that off. I think they're still a very good team. No, I think they had a very fun. bad tournament, but I'm 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 not, I'm less doomsday than you. I, I I think that it's very possible that they come out and fix those execution problems. I think they're smart enough to do it, and I think the biggest problem they had last split, Nico the Pico, is not there. They're not going to pick really dumb drafts that leave them with very few options when they actually need to close gaps. This. This is fair. This is a fair point. I my only counter is Dylan Falco has not been uh, he's not been able to stay on one team for long. He's That's been true. bouncing around quite a bit. So I don't know if he's necessarily this massive upgrade either. Uh, with that said, what do you think the line is for this series? Let Let's close out the week here strong, Chase. Come on. I, I have Fnatic minus four hundred. You are gonna get this one because I said Fnatic minus three seventy five. It is Fnatic minus six. 66. So you are going to take a point here, uh, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the week, it is uh, it is 5-2. to two. I take the point for this week. That puts me at 6-6. Six six. That puts us at 6-6, six six, Chase, and I yeah. gotta say, the belt, the belt is looking very comfortable here. I, I don't know. I don't know if she wants to leave. I think she wants to stay here. I think she's given me a new lease on life and a, a, a new lease in this in this game. Um, but let's get some smart money bets because I want to make some money back. 
I don't like being in the red. That's not that's not something I'm proud of. Uh, so we said splice over G2 at minus 200. I think that was pretty good value. Yes. You were the one that kind of hopped on that train. Mysterious um, Monkeys plus 170 over Rocket. Yep, that was that was the next one that I was going to go with. I like that one as well. And uh, and third, where where are you seeing? Where are you Three seeing? maps for Misfits and Unicorns of Love at plus 105. That works for me as well. There we go. Three very quick, easy, smart money bets. We have Splice beating G2 at plus 200. We have Unicorns of Love versus Misfits going to three maps at plus 105. And we have Rocket versus Mysterious Monkeys. Mysterious Monkeys going over Rocket at plus 170. And I hope you guys go over with this podcast. You guys can follow us along on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on iTunes. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Rough Drafts Pod. You can follow the champion and the North American, uh, you know, I don't know, champions as well at C80s underscore LOL. Chase, where can they find you if they want, uh, if they want some pretty statistics? Look, if you want to talk to me about anything I said on the show today, you can find me at Red Shark King. Uh, I, I think that I. I'm still, I, I think the numbers did not lead us astray. I think the play style and the eye test uh, led us astray, or led me astray, I should say. Because you, you got your credit for, for backing North America. But you know what, Europe? I'm going to repeat what I said to you, uh, you know, and, and kind of echo the, the mentality that Winston Churchill uh, kind of brought to Europe and the Allies in, in World War II, which is that we will not give up. We will never surrender. We will not go quietly into the night. We are a strong region, a region with a great history behind us, with great talent at our, at our fingertips. And we just have to fall back on the things that made us great. And, and we can do that. This is a region that can do that. And just like Europe, I'm telling you, I'm going to surge back in this competition. It's going to happen. I, I believe and I'm confident in, in our ability in the long run to, to make that happen. So let's hang in there, guys. Let's enjoy a fun week of games this week. Let's see if we can make that happen. And you know, uh, if, uh, if all else fails, Chase, they could just become Jane, Danish and they could join the United States of America as our 51st state. And we get to talk about America and North America tomorrow. So come back for that. The, uh, the party doesn't stop. The championship parade keeps on rolling. So until then, goodbye, Internet. You can follow the Rough Drafts Podcast on all your favorite social media sites. Twitter, at Rough Drafts Pod. Facebook.com, backslash Rough Drafts Pod. SoundCloud.com backslash esports rough drafts, YouTube.com backslash rough drafts podcast, as well as on iTunes by searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. The Rough Drafts Podcast is supported by our lovely Patreons at patreon.com backslash rough drafts pod and by viewers like you. Thanks for listening and goodbye, Internet.